are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for USA Today for various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode, we are joined by a very special guest, Sean Vinzel of Hoops Insight, going to be breaking down the Kentucky versus Tennessee matchup happening on Saturday. Sean, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Lance. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. So let's just go ahead and get into it. Kentucky, Tennessee on Saturday. It's going to be a really fun game. The Vols defensively strong right now, offensively in a little bit of a uh, in a little bit of a dry spell. Overall, before we get into this matchup, I've not gotten to talk to you about this Kentucky team. I know you do fantastic work at Hoops Insight, breaking down uh, numbers and things with the Wildcats in your newsletters. But what are your overall thoughts of this Kentucky team? Yeah, I'd, uh, I'd say my, my first thought is that I think this team absolutely deserves a place, you know, kind of in the top 10, maybe even top five in the country. They definitely don't have that standout win yet. And I think some of that is, you know, early in the season, for example, the Duke game, it just probably wasn't quite the right time for them to gel. But um, Kentucky's had a number of really strong performances. And I think the fact that they've had some of their stronger performances against, you know, really other than the North Carolina game against teams that aren't great, that doesn't tend to give them the credit they deserve, but they've consistently uh, really been able to blow out teams. And a, a few games they've actually given some points back in garbage time, like the Vandy game, and you know, they got out to a 28-point lead and gave 12 of that back. But honestly, I don't even look at garbage time when I do analysis because the, you know, what happens at the end of these blowouts has nothing to do with anything going forward or any, anything. So I think Kentucky's a little bit underrated, and I think that the key for me is, They've had a tremendous offense this year. Really, um, it, it even goes beyond. But really, if you look at kind of their core seven players, um, you know, being kind of the who, whoever starts, and then you know, usually mince and top and off the bench. You know, assuming Wheeler starts too. When Kentucky plays with that group, they are absolutely blitzing teams. They have an offense that is uh, would be number one in the country, and it's in you know, not an insignificant number of possessions. So it's really impressive, and it's for the first time in Calipari's tenure, they've really been able to spread the floor, create driving lanes, get to the rim, and then with Oscar Sheepway underneath, they're amazing. I mean, Kentucky, uh, I haven't checked lately. They've been bouncing back and forth between either number one or number two in the nation in field goal percentage at the rim, which is a huge win for them because last year they were Kentucky was very poor at that, but that's usually a strength, and that's a sign that Calipari's offense is doing some of the things he wants to do. Those are you know, high-percentage shots, and that's really – really powering things. So I, I think that they're definitely as offensive led, but their their defense is certainly no slouch. But I'm most impressed that they've been able to transition to a different style of offense this year. Yeah, and I love what you pointed out there, just talking about the consistency and efficiency of this offense. And while uh, I believe Van, uh, Vanderbilt held Kentucky to 78 points, which, which is underneath their uh, Kentucky's average points per game, you put out a tweet. I don't I don't remember if it was yesterday or today, just talking about how outside of garbage time, Kentucky was actually really efficient in that game. And it was, their, I believe, their third best game of the season in terms of offensive efficiency. Uh, so the Wildcats have been really consistent. Like you mentioned, I think they have started to gel as the season has gone on. To start this breakdown between Kentucky and Tennessee, I want to talk about the offense first for the Volunteers and then get to the defense, which is uh, obviously uh, Tennessee's strength. 
Just some numbers here for everybody real quick. Tennessee averaging 75.3 points per game. Their pace of play slightly above average. They put up a lot of shots. Uh, They are third in the SEC in field goal attempts per game. And they take a lot of threes, 28 per game, which is second in the SEC. So last game, uh, Kentucky was dealing with an offense that knew how to create an isolation and knew how to put up a lot of threes. This offense spreads the ball around a little bit more. They're actually first in the SEC in assists per game, and they shoot a lot of threes. What particularly have you seen out of this Tennessee offense this season? I know they're in a little bit of a slump right now. Yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's interesting because when I when I look at the numbers kind of across their offense, there's nothing that really um, really stands out as they're really good at this. I mean, the the, the biggest area, I think the biggest thing that, that pushes them on offense is just the fact that they get a lot of steals and those tend to be really easy to convert into points. But when you look at like their half-court offense, um, they've definitely got a very good shot distribution. They shoot a lot of threes and a lot of shots at the rim. That's where you tend to get efficient offense. But they're actually not very good at shooting either, either one. They're outside, I believe, the top 100 in, uh, in, in both areas, which, you know, for a team that is in a major conference, I think they'd probably either be really good at the rim or from three. They're not really. Um, you know, the, something interesting, though, is they do have a number of players who are at least pretty solid from three, you know, in that 35% range, you know, something like that. You have Kenny Chandler, you've got Justin Powell. Um, they do have a, you know, a bit of a stretch four, although he hasn't taken very many uh, three-point shots, but um, I'm not sure if that's his name. Uh, Kamua, I think, is uh, 11 for 22. So that's, you know, that, that's a real threat if you look at a team that can stretch the floor and take uh, good distribution of shots because, the, the fact is they don't need a good shooting night, you know, getting a high percentage to be able to translate those into points. So I think that's probably the scariest thing for Kentucky overall is just that, you know, Tennessee is going to take a solid approach, but no, no real stars and standouts that I think you need to worry about quite as much. You talk about not necessarily having stars. I will give you here, though, three contributors that I think uh, Kentucky fans should watch out for, not necessarily – because they're going to match up well with the Wildcats, just guys that have been playing well for them this season. John Fulkerson, uh, averaging nine points a game for the Vols so far this season. He's been at Tennessee since Peyton Manning graduated in 1997. At least it feels like it. He's been there for forever. He's eight points away from scoring 1,000. You would like to imagine that he gets that in this game. Santiago Vescovi, averaging 13.6 points per game. You talked about a couple of guys that are consistent from beyond the arc. I believe Santiago shooting right at or a little bit over 35% from three. He also leads the team in three-point attempts. The next closest player uh, has 66 as opposed to his 119 that he has jacked up this season. And then Kennedy Chandler, somebody that you mentioned there, uh, 13, a little over 13 points per game and about five assists per game. Is there a guy on this team that offensively you think could give the Wildcats fits, or is it just simply going to be a team effort? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Chandler's probably the, the – the standout in terms of NBA draft profile. And he, he's definitely, I mean, he takes the, the highest percentage of their shots, you know, and, and you always worry when you get a guy who's got the ball in his hands and who can shoot from three, but also uh, yeah, it's pretty crafty and quick. Uh, he's probably the guy that I, I think most people would rec- recognize as being, you know, difficult to deal with, but I actually probably am a little bit more worried about um, one guy you mentioned there, John Fulkerson. I mean, I, I think a lot of Kentucky fans still have some PTSD from, I think it was like three years ago when he basically fouled out Kentucky's entire team, drew something like 11 fouls in the game. Um, he isn't you know, drawing fouls at quite that high of a rate this year, but offensive rebounding, drawing fouls, he's always dangerous inside. 
And obviously, when you look at Oscar Sheboy, that's something you worry about as a center that can draw fouls on him. And second, I think, is, is the Tennessee's got a lot of guys who are going to fire up threes. I mean, uh, Josiah Jordan-James takes, I mean, take, I think three quarters of his shots are from three. Justin Powell can shoot um, from three. Vescovi obviously takes a ton of threes, um, both in just raw numbers and the percentage of the shots. I worry a little bit about some of the catch and shoot or, you know, guys just um, off of a, a little bit of a, you know, maybe a defensive miscommunication on a pick and roll or just staying open and hitting some of those threes. Because Tennessee's not been a great three-point shooting team this year, but they're going to likely shoot so many that if they can, you know, especially if one of those those kind of more role players hits a couple of them, that's going to be dangerous. I think Kentucky's going to do enough to probably contain Chandler. Kentucky tends to do very well in containing those kind of lead ball handler threats and not letting them um, destroy them. But I worry about what that might open up uh, off the ball for shooters. Well, you talk about things coming off the ball. And real quick here, I want to talk about just stylistically what this team likes to run from an X's and O's standpoint. So Rick Barnes, at least from what I could find, used to run the flex at Texas. And from what I understand, he's now kind of shifted to a motion-style offense at Tennessee. I watched some film of the Volunteers earlier. They like to get quick rim attacks. They like to use high ball screens at the top, and then they typically have different options that come off of that. And literally since I've been, I have I watched a lot of film like from the 2018 season, the 19th season, and then this season. Season, they will run the same things over and over and over and over. Uh, there's also some ball reversals that come out of that uh, that screen high at the top. They run a lot of different stuff off of just one simple motion at the beginning of an offensive possession. There's so many different things that can come from this offense. Is there something that could potentially hold the Volunteers back in this game? Because Kentucky, like you mentioned at the top of the episode, defensively, they're pretty good as well. Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that I'm I'm hoping will continue for Kentucky. Kentucky's been really good at defending the rim um, this season, which is interesting because Kentucky doesn't have their traditional kind of long shot blockers. This year, it's a little bit more of um, Kentucky actually guards do a really good job of staying in front of guys. Really, really mostly you know Washington, Mintz, and Wheeler. Kelly Grady does occasionally give up some you know some lapses on guys driving from the wing. But um, Kentucky's usually able to get out and close that down. Kentucky's had some, you know, in their losses, they've had some trouble guarding the rim. But overall, Kentucky's been pretty solid keeping guys from getting there. And the last few games, Tennessee's actually really been on a, um, a pretty bad stretch. And it's a lot of those, those you know, top guys. And Kennedy Chandler, the last uh, four games, is hitting just 50% of his shots at the rim, where you'd expect a, a quality guard to be finishing about 65% there. And he's 22% from three. Uh, he's also taking basically every game the most of the second most shots when he's in the game. And so he's been really uh, inefficient. Um, Jordan James has been just 25% from three to last four. He's not shooting very well, so he doesn't really get to the rim all that much. So what what I'd look for Kentucky to do is if they can continue those, if, first of all, if those struggles for Tennessee really, uh, especially shooting at the rim, are real and Kentucky is pretty good at, at limiting guys getting there, I think they'll make uh, Tennessee work a little bit more. One thing to watch for, though, the Scobie actually has been shooting very well. He just hasn't been getting very many shots. Uh, if, you know, if Kentucky kind of leaves him alone a little bit, the, he may burn them. I think a couple of years ago, he was thinking he ended up like 11 threes uh, a couple of years ago in one of his, his first games against Kentucky. And so, you know, hopefully Kentucky's kind of adjusted to take that away and uh, they can shut these guys down at the rim. But uh, I always, you know, I, I generally tend to look at that as, an indicator of a strong defensive performance for Kentucky, and they've they've been doing a very solid job lately. So 
hoping they can keep that up. I want to switch over to the Volunteers defense here in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or maybe even better than a candy bar. Uh, Built Bar makes it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because it tastes so good, you'll actually want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or just plain disgusting. You want to eat healthy, and eventually it just gets so boring, and by like week three, you might be thinking, is this actually worth it? You know, where's the things that taste good? Where's the chocolate? Well, I'm here to tell you, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein Great stuff. And you can compare that to uh, an average candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens and dozens of net carbs. There's so many different flavors to choose from. Uh, with Built Bar, you'll have a hard time choosing. You could get coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry cookies and cream, salted caramel. Cookies and cream and salted caramel are legit. You need to try them out. Mint brownie and so many more. In fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com to see what's new. And you can go to Built.com right now and you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Again, just use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I want to tell you guys about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, GetUpside. If you have GetUpside, as all Locked On Kentucky listeners should, then you will be making up to $0.25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code SCORE and get a bonus $0.25 cents per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to $0.50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. All right, moving along here on the Friday edition of Locked on Kentucky. Really appreciate uh, Sean Venzel of Hoops Insight coming on to talk a little Kentucky basketball, taking on the Tennessee Volunteers on Saturday. Want to move now to the defense here. Before we actually move on to the defense, Sean, tell everybody where they can find your great content. Sure, yeah. Um, the two places you can go. First of all, I'm on Twitter, and I'm, I'm probably on there too much. I tweet a lot. Uh, at Hoops Insight, I tend to post links to the articles that I write. Uh, also, a lot of interesting facts. I throw up some stuff, uh, um, you know, pretty periodically and tweet a lot during the game. But then if you go to HoopsInsight.com, uh, you can go there. You can subscribe to uh, – I've got a couple different newsletters that you can subscribe to. Also, there's a link to a thing that I created this year. Uh, I call it my stats engine, where you can look at uh, lineup stats. You can look at stats, you know, for um, certain players on, in, uh, on or off the court for Kentucky, certain games. Uh, you can look also, I've got Tennessee stats up there, LSU. I'll be putting a couple more at SEC teams as the season goes on. So uh, hoopsinside.com or on Twitter at hoopsinside. And I'll make sure to have all of those links in the description, both on YouTube and on the podcast format, if you guys want to check uh, Sean out. All right, the defense here for the Volunteers. They shut teams down. They're averaging uh, 62.4 points allowed per game, which is 42nd nationally. Uh, it's obviously the strength of this team, or at least it is, in my opinion, the defense. How do they shut teams down? You mentioned the steals earlier. I'm sure that's a huge part of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. The interesting thing is they um, their results look very similar to LSU, actually. And I think uh, for Ken Tom, I believe they rank number one and two in the country in uh, defensive efficiency. So they force a lot of turnovers, and a lot of those are steals. 
Uh, Tennessee's forcing turnovers on over a quarter of opponents' possessions this year, which is tremendously high rate. Kentucky hasn't turned it over on a quarter of their possessions all season, so that would definitely be a departure if uh, Tennessee's able to force that many. Also, very, also similar to LSU, uh, not quite to the degree, but Tennessee does allow a lot of three-pointers. They allow opponents to shoot about 40% of their shots from three, and um, but they're both teams, Tennessee and LSU, are really good at defending the rim, really allow a low field goal percentage there. So stylistically, I think some of the things that Kentucky had to adjust to at LSU are going to be actually a nice warm-up. When you think about the first half against LSU, the, you know, the Tigers were really swarming the paint, uh, getting hands in there and getting a lot of deflection. The second half, Kentucky moved the ball better, got it to the outside to Grady for some open threes, and those started dropping. So I think Kentucky's able to carry that over. I, I think you'll see guys like Grady, Washington, Mintz be able to get some good looks from three there. But the downside is there's going to be a lot of pressure on the ball handler um, coming up. One good thing, though, is Calipari teams actually tend to not uh, succumb to those high-pressure teams and, and turn the ball over at quite the, the degree you, you'd think. And even the LSU game, Kentucky had some turnover problems, but most of that came during those minutes when Ty Ty and Wheeler were both out of the game. So, you know, assuming – you know, even if Wheeler isn't healthy enough to return, just if Ty is able to play most of the game, I think Kentucky will actually generally uh, be okay in avoiding those turnovers. But And uh, the other interesting thing is Kentucky's actually scored at the rim very well, even against teams that defend the rim well. In LSU, Kentucky you know, kind of did about what they do, got about 70% of their shots at the rim to go in, and um, LSU doesn't typically allow that. So you know, if you've got a guy like Oscar down low, it's, seems like teams can't really stop them. So hopefully Kentucky's kind of the kryptonite to, to go up against those strengths. You talked about making sure that Kentucky's guards handle the ball well in this game. And I want to talk about that later on in the show. I've got some things I want to ask you about Ty Ty Washington, but just some overall numbers here just to break down what you were just talking about. Like you mentioned, Tennessee second in the nation in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. They're third in the SEC in steals per game, second nationally in steal percentage. They are eighth nationally in turnovers forced per game at 18.4. And a lot of the, the offense that they create does come off of uh, turnovers. Is there a player on defense in particular that stands out to you? Kennedy Chandler averaging 2.3 steals per game. Vescovi averaging 2.1. Is there one guy in particular that you would say he's the catalyst for what the Vols do uh, defensively? There's actually actually one one guy. It's interesting. I uh, First of all, he has a funny name, so I thought that was funny. And then when I looked, he's like 5'9". This guy's the Kai Ziegler. Um, I honestly didn't know who he was until I started doing some of this analysis. But when I started looking at how Tennessee's played when he's in the game, they've been they've really taken it to another level. He's only five nine, he's a freshman. He has the highest steal rate on their team, um, four point nine percent of possessions in his steal. That's actually a little bit higher than either Chandler or Vescovi. So if he played the amount of minutes they did, he'd probably get their steal numbers are better. And uh, Tennessee's actually got three guys in the top 60 in steal rates between uh, Ziegler, Vescovi, and Chandler. So that's something I'm really um, curious to watch. Ziegler doesn't play a ton of minutes. You know, he plays a little under 20 minutes a game. But when he plays, they really in half court are able to put pressure on teams, uh, get in the passing lane, get a lot of steals, a lot of turnovers. Uh, they caused havoc for Arizona earlier this year, and most of it came when Ziegler was in the game. So I'd actually watch for it, especially if they, uh, if they go to – any sort of three guard lineup with, you know, because Kentucky's probably going to play some three guard lineup. If they're playing Chandler, Vescovi, and Ziegler in the game at the same time, that could be trouble because um, you know, they force a high rate of turnovers when they do that. And that is how they won 
Uh, their game against Arizona, for example, they just played for a few minutes, but uh, really put it on them. South Carolina did the same thing. So that'll be really interesting to watch those three. Zakai Ziegler, a name to watch as well as the other two guards, putting pressure on the opposition. A statistic here for you guys, and then we can move on to some final thoughts. Going to give a final score prediction for you guys as well. I like to throw out whenever talking about defense uh, so far, whenever I've done these breakdowns. So just a, a statistic, a cool fact about the uh, the defense. Georgia's fun fact was that they put pressure on literally nobody and um, that they give up, uh, on average, uh, a team's score points per game or higher uh they're giving up about 87 in conference play right now i think so they defensively just kind of get pushed around by, by everyone but a statistic here for tennessee tennessee has played seven teams that have an offensive efficiency in the top 100 according to kim palm those teams on average scored only 68.4 points per game so tennessee even against some decent offenses uh they have managed to uh shut those teams down relatively well then they've not won all of those games but the defense is uh certainly been there for the volunteers. I want to give some final thoughts here uh, and give a final score prediction in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the pro football playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky, Lance Dahl, Sean Vinzel here with you, uh, breaking down Kentucky's matchup with the Tennessee Volunteers. Going to get some final thoughts here. Sean, Kentucky is 7-8 and eight against Rick Barnes in Tennessee. Uh, looking at the individual players on roster, I don't know if Tennessee has the talent in the past, they've had in the past, that can match up extremely well with Kentucky. Now, I think this is going to be a competitive game. I think it's going to be close, but they've got these different four- and five-star guys on roster, but it just doesn't seem like they're clicking right now, at least in non-conference play. Yeah, I, I, agree. I agree. It seems it seems odd. I mean, um, Barnes is, yeah, like you said, heck of a coach. He's great. He's got a really good team, but things just aren't really flowing very well for them the last few games. I don't know if with Chandler, you know, being a freshman, if he hit a sort of wall or, you know, something's happening there. But the the one thing you can pretty much always be sure on about Rick Barnes teams is they're going to play hard, and he's usually going to find a way to get his team in a good position, whatever that lineup is. So, uh, if, you know, if he's got five guys that can hang with Kentucky, I think you're going to see some good lineups play. Wouldn't be surprised to see him do some weird things like playing, you know, four-guard lineups and things like that to, um, to attack Kentucky in, in all sorts of different ways and maybe put – uh, additional pressure on them, but I, I agree. I I don't think uh, this is quite as good of a Tennessee team as has gone against Kentucky the last few years, and I I think this is probably the best Kentucky team since 2017. So I think uh, I think this is a, a nice opportunity for Kentucky to to come out with a win against a, a frequent nemesis. I've set parameters around wins for Kentucky in the SEC, and I guess Kentucky doesn't have to check all four of these boxes, but they're they're good parameters for winning in the Southeastern Conference, at least for Kentucky. I want to go over the four things that I have that Kentucky has to do to win in the SEC, and I want to get your thoughts on it, and I want to see if you have anything to add to it. The four things, number one, Kentucky has to shoot the ball well. They don't have to shoot 
in, insanely well, but they just have to have a decent outing out, whether it be right at their average field goal percentage, which I believe is f- somewhere 46, 47%, somewhere around there. Number two, have decent shot selection. I have been very critical of Kentucky shot selection, especially early on in the season. The two-point jumper is not a shot that I'm necessarily a fan of. I know that Kentucky takes a lot of them. They knock down an average rate, and I just think that it's not a high percentage shot. I'm looking at more more shots at the rim, more shots from three to become a more efficient offense. I think that's something that Kentucky needs to do as SEC play goes on. Third thing here, playing well in transition, both offensively and defensively. I know that Wheeler is not on the t- or playing with the team right now. I actually don't know if he's even going to play on Saturday, um, but he is a catalyst for sure, both on the offensive and defensive end, uh, playing well in transition. And the final thing here is something that you mentioned, protect the rim. Kentucky's been doing it well this season. If they continue to do it in SEC play, I think they're going to be just fine. So shooting the ball well having decent shot selection, playing well in transition, and then protecting the rim. Those are my four things that Kentucky has to do to win in the SEC. Thoughts on that, and is there anything that you would add on to those parameters? I, I think you're absolutely spot on. Those are the areas where, if you look at the difference between Kentucky's wins and losses, those are the areas where it comes in at uh, LSU. Kentucky took 17 mid-range shots, more shots than they took at the rim, or uh, from three, and they hit two of them. I mean, you're going to lose games when you do that. Uh, Duke, Notre Dame, Kentucky, and even LSU, Kentucky was, was bad in transition. They just didn't convert in transition in those games, and that ended up costing them. So Kentucky is even just at their normal level in transition. They've got a lot of uh, steady things I think are going to um, gonna keep them in the game. I, I think um, the only other thing I'd add is just staying out of uh, um, turnover trouble. They're going to play a lot of teams in the SEC. They're going to have a lot of pesky guards like Tennessee. I, I think Kentucky usually does a good job, but I wouldn't be surprised if they have, you know, a game or two where things kind of pop up. Sometimes it's those offensive fouls, you know, and illegal screens or things like that. But, so, you know, Kentucky's got such a good offense that a turnover is an extra penalty for them because if they get a shot at, at the goal, they're going to convert at a pretty high rate. So, yeah, completely agree, though, on what, what you're talking about there. And if Kentucky hits those things, I think they're, they're a contender, not just in the SEC, but nationally. Who do you think is the most valuable player in this game for the Wildcats? Obviously, Shebway is on a tear right now. Ty Ty Washington running the point uh, for the Wildcats. Davian Mintz has been averaging 14 points a game over the past two-game stretch. Who do you think is the most valuable Wildcat in this matchup against the Vols? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I, I'm probably going to say, I mean, I, I'm going to take Oscar as a just a given, so I'm not going to say him. I'm going, to, I'm going to say that he'll probably come out and have a kind of typical game. I think I'm going to go with Ty Ty Washington because I think um, it, similarly you just talked about, you know, the off the dribble jumpers and things like that are not good shots. If, if Ty Ty stays away from those and is able to generally take care of the ball, I'm not even that worried about him scoring a ton. He usually you know, is able to get his shot. But I think if he just plays smart, I think he, he can help direct a lot of those stylistic things that you're talking about that make the team play well. And I think other guys will feed uh, off of him. And if, Obviously, if Severe Wheeler plays, I think um, he you know, steps into that role. But I think I think Ty Ty's really grown into someone who can um, really make a lot of positive things happen for the team and direct the team. And I think if he keeps doing that, you're going to see uh, a really solid game. And I, I expect the Cats to come out on top of him. I'm going to go with Ty Ty as well. And I went and looked at Kentucky's three losses this season. They're in those three losses. They averaged 6.4 assists less than their average on the season. They were averaging a little over 11 in those three losses and they averaged 17.4 a game. 
Uh, Tennessee, like you mentioned, very good at creating steals, creating havoc. Ty Ty Washington is going to need to step up and make very sound decisions distributing the basketball against the Volunteers. I think that's going to be very important. And like you said, Shibway is kind of a given, right, given the fact that he just kind of does what he does and he scores and he gets his rebounds and he just plays well Mm -hmm. consistently. Uh, But I agree with you. Ty Ty Washington would be the other guy. Uh, that I would go with. One more question here, and then we'll get out. Give us a final score prediction, uh, and then tell us what will be the most important aspect of this game. Uh, I'll go with uh, 78 to 68. Uh, I think Kentucky's going to win. Um, I think that the most important thing is actually going to be Tennessee's uh, three-point shooting. I think it's Tennessee. Kentucky can hold Tennessee to uh, under their season average of 32%. I think uh, that's a really good sign. I think Kentucky tends to force teams into some bad looks from three, and as long as those aren't you know, kind of miraculously going in, I think, uh, I think Kentucky will have enough to kind of handle the volunteers. I will go Kentucky 75, Tennessee 66. That will be my final score prediction, just kind of hovering around that 70s to 60s range. All right, Sean, one more time. Tell everybody where they can find your fantastic content over at Hoops Insight. Sure, yeah, you can go to hoopsinside.com, sign up for my newsletters there, or you can find me on Twitter at hoopsinside. All right, that's going to do it, everybody, for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Daw. You can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. I will see you all on Monday to hopefully recap a Kentucky Wildcats win. Have a good one, everybody, and God bless.